0: Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au
1: It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors.
0: Good morning
1: to all our listeners out there, Patrick. And I thought it was relevant this week.
0: That It's a very exciting week this week. And our producer, Joel Brooks. Massive. We're a few days into this. We are a few days in it. It happened on Wednesday. Uh, Started off with Melbourne versus the Dogs, which was very exciting. Grand final replay. Now, I've got a few questions for you. On behalf of the footy season, it's you playing this afternoon, two o'clock. Yes, against Essendon. Am I correct? Correct. It is now. Before you get underway, I'm going to get you in a little bit of trouble. Just, I want It's a really well organised cat supporter. You, I, I, I actually you asked you. I asked you during the week. You had to fill me in. I said the home game at the MCG. I wasn't too happy with that. I was going to come down to the old GMHPA, <laughs> Patrick. The season is fast pro- approached us. That doesn't make sense, but it's yeah, it It does. It, does. it has fast
1: approaches. <laughs> correct.
0: Now, first of all, I want to know how you're feeling, how the body is. You had a bit of an injury-prone year last year with your ankle and your hand and whatnot.
1: Well, you know, sometimes you have those years from a sporting perspective. It's like one thing this leads to the next. So, syndesmosis injury, so sort of ankle surgery. Yep. And because you have surgery on one part of your body, it's almost like as soon as you've been in a system for a long period of time – you're sort of well tuned so as soon as you have this first period of time where you're injured for the first time properly and you don't do anything for four weeks other parts of your body start to sort of shut down yeah I've had this drama with my heart (laughs) everything else just shuts down around me (laughs) look that's probably okay you've got me there But, you know, so the next, you know, I get a little soreness in Achilles, in your calf. So yep. it was sort of one of those years. Uh, You're glad I'll, it finished. <laughs> and I've been fortunate enough where I haven't had too many of those years. But um, the season has approached as quickly, Redmond. The, it's going to be fascinating to see the, the, the Western Australian border uh, and COVID implications because of the fact that every other state's
0: been um, well, I'll, I'll sum it up. It's a pain in the backside how WA have approached this. Well,
1: it's 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 not a it's not a pain in the backside, but most of those teams just haven't had players get COVID, which is a good thing one. But what it means now is, and West Coast have had a few injuries. It means when they evidently do get exposed to COVID, yes, you get it, and all of a sudden, West Coast this week they've only had. Like twenty five or twenty six players to pick from, mm. so it, it could have really significant implications for both the Western Australian sides, because they haven't had like the rest of the competition eighty plus percent of your list get COVID and therefore be less susceptible to getting uh, the virus. So that's a that's a really big watch this space over in the West because those teams just haven't been, um, you know, haven't been open to it. Now I'm going to answer my question
0: You are absolutely firing for the season You're very fit, strong, ready to go I Had a few of the boys fill me in They reckon you're well and truly ready to go Which Better is be. exciting for the Cats fans But give us your top four Now we'll keep the Cats out of it I, 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 we, Well actually how do you think the Cats are going to go? It's been, there's been a
1: bit of Well there
0: always is about too long Everyone's yep. like
1: oh dad's army you're Yeah all well,
0: too old. I caught up with the Cats during the week And I think half the blokes had wheelchairs but, um... Aaron they're walking <laughs> frames Sorry the frames <laughs> My there's bad.
1: a there's a difference between not being out of
0: I can't talk. I couldn't walk from the car to the entrance.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh. No, I think the um like like any year, the teams that have great availability will have good success. Yep. So fitness is, is half the battle. You get good availability to your list and it goes a long way. Now Melbourne are gonna be very difficult to beat. Obviously they won the grand final last mm-hmm. season, but you look across the board, they're a really well balanced side. Um, they've got a, a Tracker, really, Oliver. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant midfield. That's clearly their strength. But they've got great intercept defenders, uh, and their forward lines only only improved. So um, they're, they're going to be difficult to beat. Richmond, I think, are going to be at the pointy end of the the, the ladder once again. Uh, it's, it's interesting yeah, right. f- listening to some of the sort of um, sports journos and reporters around the so called experts. Well, no, <laughs> they report on the game. I, I, I'd question whether they're all experts but, uh, experts, but they give their views on the season. Like, Richmond for mind are, are, are going to be very, very good. Yeah, right. So, I didn't expect that one. Um, they're, a, they're definitely a watch this space. Doggies? Doggies will be very good. Like They're so well balanced across yep. their entire list. Um, and, and there's going to be patience with some of their players. Like, um, you know, they're... they're they're actually they're probably one of the, the biggest challenges in the competition because they're, they're probably going to be better next year and the year after with some of the players that have got number one draft picks and the lot that, that aren't necessarily you know AFL-ready now. Jamar, a great example of that. But he'll only uh, get better. He'll get some game time, no doubt, this year. But they're led by you know one of the best players in the competition in Marcus Bontempelli. So they'll be up there. Brisbane... Once again, injury raveled a bit last season. They lose Lockie Neal uh, and a few others, so that sort of interrupts the flow that they have in their game. But they'll be very good, I suspect. Fremantle will be uh, better again. That'll be a very difficult game to, to win over there against them. Whenever you you play them there, they're hard enough to play there um, in recent years where they haven't had the you know the quality of of players that they've got this year. So I think they're going to be, you know, they'll certainly be a, a top. Eight fancy, you know, Carlton another, but you know, we'll, we'll get a better idea after the first four rounds, yeah. Redmond, on where the AFL season is going to sit sit itself.
0: Who do you think's not quite there? Bottom sort
1: of few. Who do you think you might be down that way? Well, I think the teams that will always struggle are the ones that have taken upon themselves to go, we're, we're we're rebuilding in a sense. You know, like North like, Melbourne rebuilding for the last sixteen years. <laughs> no, they're certainly not <laughs> that. But they've they've been up front and said we're building towards a premiership, but you know it's not going to happen next year. It's not going to happen this year, but we're putting the, the building blocks in, in place. And if you haven't seen um, Francis play, James Horton Francis, holy crap, that kid is unbelievable. So, you know, there'll be a building year for, for North, but what I will say about them, they have a phenomenal coach uh, in David Noble. So, you know, build it and they will come.
0: Last footy question, who's going to be, I guess, the... The player to watch out for that's not been the player to watch out. Who's going to really stand up this year? That we've sort of heard of, but not quite heard of.
1: Well, I think the one that that, that for me, I, I think I've straight away.
0: Um, well, there's big raps on Dacos and things like that. Are yeah, they going to come in impact, no, no, or is no, there no,
1: someone ahead of that? No, I'm talking um, players that have been in the system, a bit. in the system for a while, and have even been all Australian. But I suspect will only even improve. Jacob Hopper for me from GWS. Oh yeah, he's somewhat overshadowed by the the polish of Kelly the goal kicking of, of Toby Green but he for me you know is ready to to stamp his authority on the league in general and you know I could very much see him being well and truly in the top 10 in the game you know come season's end
0: it's enough about footy it's uh, nearly done me for the season to be honest with you but very good <laughs> insight to the season ahead 2022 now one thing that I want to ask you and have a bit of a discussion about and it's something that oh, <laughs> It affects me a hell of a lot. This is just the servicing on engines, any outboard.
1: I'm not in particular Mercury, Suzuki, nothing
0: in particular. Now
1: we've had a lot of questions sent to our socials yep. around: Do I have to um, stick to the regimented servicing of outboards? It seems ridiculous. And and we were talking about it during the week, and it sort of hit a nerve with us because you went straight away. Oh, I think this all the time. Look, this is the biggest pain in the backside now. Now, once again, this
0: is not having to dig at any manufacturer at no, all. they're this all is, the same. This is the same. It's all the same, and all the marine dealerships are the same. Now, I do want to mention one thing. Evinrude E-Tech, I know they're not really around as such anymore. And they're, No, no, Aaron, they're not. <laughs> I was trying to do it politely for anyone that had an E-Tech. They're not around anymore, but... <laughs> but they tried to bring out a three-year a three-year servicing scheme into the game where you didn't have to get it serviced. I can't remember exactly what the hours were, but for
1: someone like me, I use my engine
0: no, I'm up, I'm, a lot.
1: I'm coming back to the fact that you are <laughs> complaining about how much servicing that you have to do. Yep. Then you mentioned Evan Reed E-Tech <laughs> – they don't have to have servicing for three years or yes. three. It was 300 hours. 300 um, hours, was it? I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, champ, but um, that outboard manufacturer no longer exists. So,
0: so this if- discussion just been shut down? <laughs> 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 what, what are you trying? Oh, no, I just want to give an example. As a charter boat operator, not myself, but just for example, Chris Vasileski, gone fishing charters, Crossy, yep. every 100 hours – Mm. They've got to get a service now. For me, someone that fishes every single day that has bluefin tuna outside of their heads, I do a. We'll say just over half day. I know how we say half days fishing, which is six hours, but twelve hours. But it's half days <laughs> fishing. We'll go with six hours. So say six to ten hours on the water chasing bluefin. And naturally, yes. you do. You naturally yep. you always push it out longer than you think. So you've got ten hours in yep. one day. On your motives. now, Chris O does a six-hour tuna charter on a Saturday morning, six hour in the afternoon. He's done twelve, yep, twelve hours of uh, of his engine hours yep. for the, for an upcoming hundred-hour service. Yes. so he does less than ten trips of charters, and he has to pay onwards two engines of two thousand dollars to have his engine serviced. Yep. Is there somewhere in between that needs to be like, I guess? Surely, by using the engine for those hours, they haven't compromised the, I guess, the output of that engine. Surely, there has to be something to come into play. And someone like me, I've done nearly seven hundred hours in my engine, less than Chris, but I've done quite a few, and it cost me up to thousand dollars to get my engine serviced.
1: But it's a regular, like it's quite a regular thing. So, so yes, I understand that. But you're also you're operating an engine in the harshest environment yep. imaginable in salt water. So so clearly, manufacturers, they all look at it in the same way. What can we offer that's, that stretches it out as far as it can without us having ongoing issues? Because the last thing that manufacturers want is outboards coming back continuously because... They're unable to cope with.
0: I, I get what you're saying there, but what about if I put it in, into an example of, say, say you, your your engine, you're not going to probably do 100 hours for a period of time. So you're going to do 100 hours, say, in six months, say, just exam and you're going to get might it be in people... six months' time, but it's done, it's actually sat in, like, it's sat, like, it, where mine's been used and it's processed yes. that salt water. Yeah, yep. 100 hours isn't a lot of hours for me. There might be people. Just, that...
1: I'm just, this is a discussion. It's not a dig, it's a discussion. No, I reckon there's people. That... Quite clearly, there is people that will have it'll take them two years to do 100 hours, but they've got
0: to get their yearly service then. Yes, so it's a yearly service comes into play before the 100 hours. So even if you only do 40 hours, you still got to get your yearly service to maintain that warranty if you have a new engine. And a year comes around very quickly, it does like so. I don't know, like, is it just to I had my actual car serviced only last week or the week before, I think it, it only cost me $340. And it got my whole car, uh, Volkswagen Amarok, got it serviced, and it was, uh, I think it was, I think it was thirty thousand to forty five thousand, so fifteen thousand K's. Yeah, like that's a lot of kilometers on the road. Like that's getting hammered every single day, towing boats, driving. But because I'm towing boats, it's no different to you driving from Moggs to the Cattery every day for work. Except you, mine's getting hammered, but I've still got the same
1: service hours. Do you think that outboard manufacturers should offer fixed price servicing? That's a good one. Well, I'm currently in
0: buying a car for Kari at the moment, a new car, and we're looking at the Mitsubishi Outlander. And one of the things that are in play are fixed servicing for yeah, five years. That's, and that's a big difference, it, doesn't and it? And we've looked at it and gone, so anything that happens after that uh, that, that price, yep. you don't have to pay
1: for the same and thing it was with a, warranty. When you look at new car warranties, engine warranty. Yeah, engine. Is a great yeah. example. Well, right. I don't know. It's a there good... is no stress if something goes wrong. Uh, okay, yes, annoyance. And at the moment, it's a real annoyance because you don't have, you know, the outboard availability is a nightmare globally. But at least you know it's it's, it's under warranty. Yeah, hundred oh, percent. I'm not going to be hit with a ten thousand dollar, <laughs> um, you know, rebuild of the engine it's, if something goes exactly. wrong. Exactly. Yep. It, it's it's under warranty. Like that's the beauty of buying new. That's the beauty of not looking at, you know, secondhand outboards that are fifteen years old. And yeah, absolutely. What what you know sits in this is is cost and availability. But if you can't afford it, that's the beauty of well, of, of warranty.
0: Well, send it in what you think. If you think that if you use your boat repetitively, so say for example a charter, should it be a hundred hours or can they stretch it to say two hundred and fifty to bring that instead of to two hundred and fifty hours, which instead of being done in say eight days, Pat, to 12 days, which is, don't get me wrong, right, it is 100%. The boys are doing this at times with these tuna out the front of their heads. Absolutely. What about marlin fishers up the east coast to New South Wales, tuna out of uh, Port Lincoln, whatnot? All these charter boat guys, $2,000 because to be outside of, in open ocean, you've got to have two engines on your boat. That's yes. part of the rules yep. and regulations. So an average service is around that 1000 give or take, either side of it, depending on horsepower. We'll just go with 1000 And uh, doesn't get...
1: It doesn't get you much anymore, does it? No, that's why,
0: and it's no dig
1: here. There was a good discussion, and uh, let us know what you think. We've got a massive show of real adventures coming your way this morning. We're catching up with Shane Mensforth from SA Angler, our great mates in South Australia. So SA Anglers, make sure you listen in for that. Shane's actually out on the water, so we're going to get a live report from him and what to look forward to throughout the year from South Australian Angler. All that and more this morning on Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick
2: Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood.
1: Welcome back to Real Adventures. Let's find out what's been happening in your part of the country. But before we do that, we're going to head to your week in fishing. Redmond, you've been hitting the tuna. There's been plenty of reports that they've been difficult to capture, difficult to chase. You haven't found that, though, if you're patient and if you're... Do the you know, right things. Yeah, if you're, if you're matching...
0: The hatch. It's, I it, had the long weekend off the tuna as such. I actually, you might have seen if you followed social media, I went out and took my little man out, which is the first time in ages I've had him out in the water. I've been a bit crook, as you know. And You, you let him pick
1: up and release a wild a, great white, a gummy shark. It was <laughs> one of the funniest things that I've ever seen. You've got this little, how old's Finn? Nearly He's 22? nearly two, two in April. Holding this. <laughs> foot and a half gummy shark that it's thrashing everywhere and he's wheeling it around trying to throw it over the side of the boat. It was fantastic. I'm allowed to say this, aren't I? My kid's an idiot. He just has no... No, he has no not. He has no fear of
0: anything. I I, every time something come in the boat, we had little Port Jacksons. Port Jacksons have got spikes on the back of their dorsal fins, dorsal fin and its anal fin. I'm like... Uh, sorry, not the Adolfi, the, the back fin. And I'm going to going to him. Mate, you can't, he comes up to me and goes, hold, hold. I'm like, oh, maybe not this one, mate. Maybe not this one. Here's a banjo. You can hold a banjo. It can't hurt you. Wait till he picks up a... Uh, not say a gurnard. A gurnard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what,
1: he won't be, he oh, won't he, be picking up nah, a gurnard. Hopefully it
0: puts a bit of fear into him because he just... Yeah, it was great to see. But I took him out on the water and we had a beautiful day. It was last Saturday. Uh, Sunday, sorry. Beautiful day. It was probably one of the last... Summer days, let's put it that way. It was- and a great
1: opportunity to get kids out on the water without yeah. hating the day because either the wind's picked up and it's really cold or the swells pumping in. He was
0: in a T-shirt and shorts the whole time, had his life jacket on. Mum and Dad come out with us as well, and they had a ball just watching Finn play around. But we managed that just to give you an example of how we managed it with, with Finn – was I went fishing first. So I, he, he knows what whiting are because we would catch a lot of them. So I yeah. said, whiting first, we go catch whiting. Not all of us, mate. But uh, yeah. <laughs> So we went and got some, we actually didn't do that well on the fish. We, we got a few whiting and I just put him, I actually took my big silver pot, cray pot. It's a big pot on the boat and I actually put it upside down for him to stand on usually. that's it. and, I, yeah. and it's balanced out. He can't fall, it's too high to fall over fall the over. sides. Yep. Uh, but he can see over the sides and the, and the snapper rack holds him in really well. But in the end, I filled the whole thing up with water, chucked a whiting in there for, him to play with and I just like him getting the touch and feel of the fish and he's playing with them they're kicking he's laughing he didn't really care what was going on with the rod side of things but it was more about being time on the water so we did that he got a little bit bored of it after a time so we went and changed it up we went and got a few squid which he loves squids for some reason he can't say squid he calls them a toquok I've got no idea why so we got a few squid but to to finish the day on a positive note Pat excuse me we went at the end of the day to see the seals so it was about it was about finishing on like something super exciting. So we went to the seals at Chinaman's Heart in Port Phillip Bay, and as soon as we got home, uh, he runs inside and and Carrie goes, "Oh, what did you see today?" And straight away, seals, seals, seals. So like he he remembers that. So next time we go on a boat, once again, it's going to be a positive. Yeah. So those seals will happen again at the end, and that's how we'll sort of generate the nice day. For the kids. And it's just about keeping them entertained, as we always speak about. And we are fast approaching school holidays. So if you are heading out wherever you are, try and approach the day that way. I think we're a yeah. couple of weeks away from school yep. holidays, which we'll have more on the show about how to approach the school holidays in a couple of weeks. But it's just something i really, oh, Taking him out was amazing. And few tuna, like you said, offshore. Pricks to catch because of that full moon. So how are you How are you approaching them yeah. around that full moon? Early morning was the key for me. Yep. I, I knew that bite first thing. So as soon as the sun come up... You had a bite time. They were going to bite for an hour and a half, two hours. Which,
1: which was different to a month ago when we were talking about, even even two weeks ago. Yeah, bite time being ten o'clock onwards. Yep. So it, it, that's why it pays to, you know, listen to this show. Um, yeah, the Mate, salt guys, My salt guide uh, report literally this week yep. was exactly
0: dot pointed what I've just said to you. Yep. It was fish early. You'll get fish early. Yep. They'll go to crap by nine o'clock. You will not catch. A, you'll see them sunning themselves which is exactly what they did for me, and they did it
1: on the weekend. And are we talking banger teaser bars, or are we using Yeah, teaser the bars. Plastics? It was
0: about really firing up, and the soft plastics. To be honest with you, I reckon the teaser bars outfished the soft plastics just because of the commotion on the sunning fish. Like, yes. once again, it really sparked them up. Yep. It was the teaser bars doing the thing. We ran two lures without teaser bars. They didn't get a fish. Yeah. But the two teaser bars got fish, and the two plastic got a few fish. But it was about creating commotion on the surface and getting that reaction bite once again. Even in first thing in the morning, the teaser bars still went the best. Now, as soon as 9, nine 9.30 came, we just got off the water. We knew we weren't going to get another fish. But in the report, I stated, I stated that in the afternoon on that bigger tide, they'll go again. Yep. Sure enough, I had mates that went out in the afternoon. The fish weren't sunny. They were actually feeding on the surface on that bigger tide in the afternoon. And that was like late in the afternoon, 4 o'clock onwards. Like it was quite late. Yep. But once again, you're not wasting your day getting up at, Eight or thirty nine o'clock, missing that bite. Fishing from nine o'clock to five o'clock, like a lot of people do, coming in with nothing and and being like,
1: "How I have
0: fished all day for nothing and not caught, caught a thing." You literally could have went out for two hours, had the best time. You could have gone back in the bay, got some squid, got some whiting, and you could have done what you wanted. So, fishing is a luck at point, at a luck at certain times. But a lot of luck you can create yourself by being there at the right times, and we give it to you on the show and as well as Soul Guide. So.
1: You mentioned that the whiting have been a little tougher to catch. Once again, moon. Yep. Yep, just that moon, slow
0: tides. That afternoon tide was the better tide. Fish that, you'll get more fish. It won't be crazy. You might.
1: Someone might get crazy session, don't get me wrong. You're still pinning your your squid tails, essentially. Yep. And then you're mixing up your baits at all. Or not? Just
0: pippies on top. Yep. Oh, sorry pippi on first and then squid on top yeah burly if you don't you'll get on the moons you'll get six eight seven fish three fish if you don't if they stop biting don't try and get them back with burley as such always burly yeah but move to 10 meters just say just the small moves yeah, okay yep. Yep, just keep active and and that'll fire them up and it, once again we're off this moon as of well, we're off it now I think I think it was yesterday or the day before so we're gonna see things really increase this week into next week and then the new moon comes new moon's not as bad as the full but it does play a role. And once again, follow your tides, those bigger tides. It's when the fish are going to feed. And then when you're off the moon on those super big tides, when they're super strong, fish the slightly slower tides. So it's about learning the balance of the tides of when the fish are going to feed. They just Movement is the key Key, to fishing. All
1: right, let's find out what is biting in your part of the country. We're starting in New South Wales. The marlin fishing has gone nuts on the southeast coast of New South Wales. Um, Even in the, the rain... The Incredible. Fish, the fish is still humming, which is quite extraordinary in itself, Redmond, because quite often when we talk about uh, fishing and we'll talk about uh, Queensland and, and the Brisbane region, which is – it's, it's closed at the moment. You can't even fish the Brisbane River, so it, it's just not worth it. But quite extraordinary to see the marlin go nuts.
0: I couldn't believe it. I, I literally had people going up there and messaging me, and I said, I think the water will be pretty good on the shelf. It was shocking. I was completely wrong. Yes. I was literally completely wrong. I thought it was going to be reasonable. Yep. It was bad. But fishing it, Pat, they had a lot of fish in it. Bolt Multiple, like eight, some people got eight, ten fish in a day fishing off that Tarthra, that Tarthra sort of marimbula area right up to Bermagui. Uh Trapman Bermagui, who we like to follow on the show, he had some fantastic vision of how bad the water was yeah. out of the 12 mile and whatnot. So... Yeah,
1: it's, I can't. I got no answer for it other than the fact that it went really, really good. <laughs> there's a few kings being caught in Botany Bay as well, which is quite surprising. Once again, given the floodwaters <laughs> around, uh, the dolphin fish wide of Port Stephens have been pretty consistent. Once again, considering the conditions, uh, and and certainly be careful, Redmond. There's certain ramps after the flooding. Um, there's been a bit of displacement around yeah, some of the kernel, infrastructure around there, which Colonel Boat make Ramp,
0: Colonel Boat Ramp, is just a good example. You, you're not, it's not usable. You just cannot physically use that ramp. It is stuffed at the minute. So until they get that underway, and don't be too crucial on the council because they've got a
1: lot of work to do. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not just a 10 minute fix. So they've got a lot of work to do. South Australia, Pat? Yeah, Samson Fish and the Kings running hot. Friendly Islands area. We're going to chat to Shane Mensforth in the next segment, so we'll get a live report of how it's fishing literally this morning. Uh, Port Lincoln has seen some seriously good sand whiting on offer, and on little poppers, mm. Redmond, which is a really exciting way to chase whiting. So well, Shane's a prime example. That's one of his favourite things to do. Shane, he's
0: uh, he loves his poppers. More than ever casting them on the flats there, and we'll ask. Well, we'll actually, we'll bring that up as a topic to talk to him about how to actually approach Sam Whiting on the flats.
1: Uh, There's lots of big bronzies as well, which is you know pretty interesting. Doesn't surprise us given the fact that there's been plenty of big bluefin tuna. Um, Once they're firing, the big sharks tend to follow it in. Queensland, Redmond, yeah, fishing tweed. uh, The literally
0: the, the water's been horrible up there, but. Once again, there's certain species that will feed well in that uh, brims. Fed, the brim have fed really well off the surf, same as the yellowfin whiting and cured worms doing most of the damage. The Sunshine Coast, big blacks out wide, big black male, and they're going really, really well. And uh, the Lake Kalita treat. Now, I don't know if you saw this photo of the Barrow during the week, Pat. I probably should send it to you, but. Huge, good photography work because it was a big fish. It was one hundred and twenty-one centimeters, which is ginormous. It looked like half half the size it of the boat. It looked like though. a whale that he put in the boat. The way that, like, and don't get me wrong, there was an older gentleman. I don't expect him to be holding up above his head. Trust me, I'm the first to, to disappear when it's hard work. So it was uh, in front of him. It looked like it was three meters long. So it was uh, yeah, an incredibly big fish. WA, some huge diamond trevally landed out of X mouth and the snapper bite. I'm calling it, Pat. I'm, I'm letting you have your little uh, little bit of glory here. I'm calling the snapper snapper capital at the minute. WA, yes, Fremantle. Yep. Just going stupid. Like just fish to big fish. Like you're not talking three to fives. You're five to eights. Like yep. big,
1: big snapper and they're going mad. Uh Tazzy? Yeah, Eagle Hawk having a great run of school blue fin tuna as well. One of the one of the sort of Pinnacle fishing destinations in the country. And just the bluefin recovery is incredible.
0: Everywhere we're talking, like, even WA had bluefin captures this week, right up to Mallacoota, like, crazy.
1: Out the front of Bull Bay, there are some huge schools uh, of oversized kings hanging around, there's a few birds casting them, uh, at them with micro jigs has been working. Well, it shows that the water temperature still hasn't dropped off if there's good sort of king captures down there, Redmond. Yeah, it's just, it's sort of stabilised. Like, we haven't, we've had a bit of rain, but... Our
0: weather hasn't been cold. I'm in T-shirt and shorts most days, and uh, I don't live in Tassie, but I'm tipping that they have pretty similar weather to what we have. So it's just stability, and the longer we have stability for, the longer the fish will hang around. Uh, The flathead fishing last one out of Henry Bay, drifting around, but once again, fish smart, rig on the bottom. Flathead live on the bottom, your rig's on the bottom, bit of squid, and away you go.
1: That is the whip around. We find out what's biting in your part of the country. We've got time for questions. Oh, well, uh, yeah, we do. Actually. One question or two? No, we do. We do. Social club. We take your questions from social media each and every week. Make sure you send them into our socials. We love to uh, to interact with those that enjoy the show. So Tim's got the first one, Redmond. Uh, hi, guys. I'm keen to get my family into fishing. I fished growing up and loved fishing with dad out in the boat. It'll be beach fishing for us to start, but it, what are your main generic tips for beach fishing, drifting for flathead, what am I looking for, those sorts of things um, before moving into into boating? So this is relevant because in a couple of weeks' time, school holidays um, winds up or kicks off. Um, but what are you looking for when you're taking the family down for beach fishing? For those that haven't spent a lot of time beach fishing, what are the, the visual cl- clues that we're looking for when we look out from the car park to an open ocean.
0: Well, we spoke a little bit about the boat earlier, Pat, so we'll just stick straight to land-based here. Uh, beach jetties, they're, they're great places to take the kids, but you once again, you've got to be careful when you're fishing around them because you've got surf, not just surf, you've also got tide around a lot of jetties around yep. the country. So kids fall in with tide, before you know it, they can be 30 metres from you in the matter of 5 to 10 seconds. That can be dangerous. So if you are fishing off the surf, you want to find gutters uh, gutters are a place where it's deeper water and it's where the water tends to rush back out. It's like a rip. It tends to rush back out to the ocean. And it won't necessarily be breaking in that spot. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it would just be that... look like that safest place to fish, at uh, safest place to, to swim, swim as such, but it's actually the most dangerous. But the fish love it. Once again, we spoke at the top of the show, no flow, no go. It's a place where you'll get your salmon schooling in, you'll get your flathead, your pinkies, everything like that. And off the beach, if you can find a little bit of reef structure as such... Fish always live in structure. Bait live on structure. So if you're fishing, say, for example, at the front of your place, Pat, at Moggs, you'll probably walk somewhere where you find a little bit of reef structure. And even if you go down, uh, if you go during the morning on a low tide, work out where the reef is in the low tide. Come back that afternoon on that high tide and the water will be covering that reef. But there will be fish, you'll know exactly where to cast, where not to cast. So get up nice and high as well. If you've got a nice dune, you can look down on the water. You'll be able to see those gutters easier. And that's where the fish are going to live
1: talking about sort of shallow water um inhabited by smaller fish deeper water bigger fish so as that tide um comes in those bigger fish start to come into those shallows as the water increases they start to chase each other are you are you preferring to fish off the beach on the incoming tide or the outgoing tide is it much of a difference yeah to
0: be honest with you Outgoing tide. I know I just yeah. said incoming because you can see visually and it helps. Salmon and that won't make a difference. Salmon is fine. But targeting big gummies, bronzies and schoolies and snapper off the beach, for me, it's about going into dark. And if you can get the outgoing tide, I don't know what it is, but it's definitely the end of the outgoing, start of the incoming, that is change. anything
1: to do with those fish being in that shallow <laughs> water column? All of a sudden the tide's going out. Mm. All right, those fish have got nowhere else to go but out to sea or deeper water. I don't know. I generally don't know. It's a good question. I, I don't I don't know. It's this, just something that's you've been, had the most success. it's definitely,
0: and I used to, don't get me wrong, don't think I just boat fish. I used to fish the all beach the all the time as a kid. That's I, as If dad couldn't take me out in the boat, I was down surf fishing because we live Ocean Grove, not too far from the beach. We used to ride our bikes and surf fish down there. And definitely like our big gummies and schoolies, 100% outgoing, end of the outgoing tide to the start of the incoming tide.
1: One more question, or we pushed our luck. Nah, we're at we're out of time. We're out of time. Sorry, Graham. We'll get you next week. Shane Forth joins us after the break. This is Real Adventures. Gearing up for Dometic. Dometic Patrol, an icebox with a sense of adventure. Everything you need for adventures, big or small. Mobile living made easy. Dometic. Time for gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. Shane Mensforth is SA Angler. He joins us this morning. Good morning, Shane.
2: Morning, gentlemen. How are we?
1: Going not too bad,
0: Shane. Thanks for joining us. Now, I know Patrick's going to talk to you a little bit about uh, the SA, uh, SA Angler magazine and what's coming up in the next month and in this edition, but I'm going to throw in a cheeky question because I mentioned it at the start of the show. I've seen some yep. great reports of the sand whiting around the flats at the moment, and you've been sharing them on your social media platforms. Can you take us through the popping technique and what to look for and how to approach the sand whiting in the shallows?
2: All right, well, look, tides are important. I like to fish the run-in tide, get there probably half an hour after low tide and then fish the run-in as the water comes up over the flat. Yep. Obviously, there's a fish coming in with the water looking for something to eat. Um, like to fish with us some weed and sand, not just a big expanse of sand. They like cover. And we uh, we tuck our lures along the edges of the weed beds, and uh, a lot a lot of times the, the fish are coming out of the weed. Uh, fishing in uh, the ideal depth is sort of um, knee to uh, thigh depth, I guess. Probably you know, eighty to seventy seventy centimeters. of water was perfect. Yep. And uh, just uh, prospect every area, just stand in one spot and just fire cast. You know, twenty four hours around the clock, sort of thing, until, until you find a fish and uh, if you're in the right place at the right time, it doesn't take too long.
0: Shane, does it Like I think I've spoken to you one other time, I've been up along the New South Wales coast and seen lots of those whiting in the shallows, is it a visual thing yeah. as well? Look, are you seeing the schools of fish or are you actually more targeting the areas or where that you think they'll be?
2: Yeah, more targeting the areas, but occasionally you'll see, you'll see some fish flashing, which is obviously a school, <clears throat> casting over them occasionally gets fish, but we found that the ones we cast at don't seem to uh, <laughs> to be all that interested. It's the ones that are feeding around the edges of weed beds and little rocky rocky shelves that the ones that they're the ones that are after the lure. And uh, yeah, said ninety percent of the fish we catch get that way.
0: And when you said lure, what's your go to sort of poppers? Like what size are we using?
2: If, if you can find um, some of Butchie's stiffy poppers, so you. They've been around for a while now, and they don't make them anymore. But if
0: anyone can find some of those, they are the best. You know, we, there's no doubt about it. There, Bushy, you know, stiffy sort of popper. Six. You can't find
2: yeah. it anymore, Patrick. We'll, we <laughs> might we might leave the sand white on
1: that note <laughs> to take it away. Now, Shane, in the current edition of SA Angler, the front yep. cover features a beautiful bronze whaler, and yep. it's about fishing for them in the surf off the beach. Yep. Can you talk us through... What you've covered in the magazine and why it's a great one to uh, to pop into your local service station or newsagent and pick up a copy.
2: Well, actually, the, um, that, that came to us via a Facebook message from the girl who who caught the caught the fish, caught got the shark, and she said, "Well, you know, have a look on our YouTube her YouTube page. You'll see this, and if interested, I'll write you a story." So she did. Her name is Charity Selleck, as in Tom Selleck. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was, they, they were was sight-casting these big whaler sharks that are herding the salmon up against the shore. So like catching a salmon, you know, it's a 3 kilos of salmon, putting it on live, letting it swim back out to the school, and uh, and hooking up. And they're really big fish. You know, the one on the cover is about 200 kilos. That's a pretty <laughs> big bronze. Yeah,
1: it's a it's – a cra- and they're – like, they're great to catch and release, but, Redmond, they're one of the your favourites and my favourites to eat as well. They're a beautiful-tasting oh, shark.
0: beautiful-eating shark. Now, Shane, just on the topic of the big bronzies, are you finding with the – the tuna coming back in the numbers, like they're getting thicker and thicker every year, right from South Australia, WA, right down to Malakuta, and even in Tasmania at the moment. Are you finding that the bronzies are definitely getting more prominent? Like they're, prevalent. Yeah, yep. they're just oh, there. Yeah.
2: So they have been a real, real problem at Bigger Harbour this year. You know, South Coast, South of Adelaide. Um, just about every every boat every day reports that they're losing one or two or more fish to, to bronzies, and they're big ones. You know, they like, you know, some of them you know taking 15, 16 kilo bites off these tuna. And oh, look, these are big sharks. These are 10, 11 footers. And I think they're waking up to the fact that the tuna are in the area and the, and the ones that are on, on the line are a, a lot easier to tackle than the ones that are free swimming. So, yeah, <laughs> it's been becoming a bit of a problem. you hate putting up tuna heads. It's just a big waste of fish.
1: Now, Shane, the first southern bluefin tuna that I ever caught was out fishing with you off Victor Harbour. For those yeah. that have always thought about it but have been a bit nervous too or for for whatever reason haven't been willing to chase uh southern bluefin tuna and the school tuna victor harbour at the moment fishing really really well
2: it's it's probably had its best year daddy for uh well since you and i fished together a few years ago it's it's probably back to those levels we had a couple of slightly quieter years but this year's been full on and they're still there you know like it's getting into autumn now and they're still there and most of the charter boats are catching me in the quota every day and, 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 and so are the wreckies uh, the still launching at Victor Harbour and Cape Jervis It's been a phenomenal year. It really, really has.
1: Now, one of the things we always love to, uh, to do when we talk to you, Shane, a little update on the boat. You've been running uh, a centre console bar crusher for, it must be close on 200 years now.
2: Yeah, it is, yep. Yep.
1: In colder, in, in, in a colder climate, yes, absolutely, South Australia can get nice and warm in summer. How have you found yep. it, though, managing the boat when it does get to winter? Because that's sort of one of the big considerations for anglers, when they think yeah. about a centre console being wonderful yep. for in, in good weather, but can be yep. tougher in uh, in those colder
2: climates. I've got a couple of special clears that I've had made that clip onto the side of the console and go down onto the gunwale. Yep. And um, it, it stops all the, the spray from coming you know, coming back behind the console. And, yeah, you're right. When it's cold in August, you know, July, August is really cold and it's important to keep it out. So we've, I've had those made since then, mate. No, I've dropped to come back and I just love this boat. I just adore it. It's a wonderful thing. Jane, thank
1: you very much for your time this morning. We've been chatting with Shane Mensforth, who is, of course, south australian angler you can pick yourself up a copy now as we spoke about earlier there's a great article on these big bronzies in the surf shane thanks for your time this morning
2: cheers boys talk again later
1: that was gearing up for dometic mobile living made easy reds reviewed for club marine australia's leading provider of boat insurance It's now time for Red's review for Club Around our product review of the week. And we've got Andrew Stephen on from Melbourne Marine for a couple of reasons, Redmond. He's going to go through some some deals he's got for us this week at Melbourne Marine in their tackle segment. And you're going to quiz him about uh, marine maintenance and why outboard dealers always have the same... Number of hours in servicing because you're complaining about. I it had to carry of- Andrew's wallet when he dropped it the other day and I couldn't lift it up. <laughs> now, Andrew, good morning. Good morning, Zach. Good morning, Aaron. Good <laughs> We're going to go straight into it. We've we've spoken off the top of the show. Why marine outboards? They're all the same when it comes to servicing. It's always a hundred hours. Has there? Do you know if there's ever been discussion on lengthening that? Obviously, Evan Riddick really did that. It didn't exactly go super <laughs> well because they don't exist anymore <laughs> as a manufacturer. Is it simply the marine environment is just that difficult to deal with and you need the constant upkeep and you need to keep an eye on, on what's happening? I'll throw in just something
0: quickly as well. So the discussion that we had was uh, just an example. Your standard... Your standard uh, your everyday angler recreational angler or boat boating user heads out 100 hour service or one year service now, you've got the, the likes of, I use charter boats as an example with the tuna fishery. They do two six hour charters a day. They do 12 hours. All of a sudden, 10 trips. They've wrapped up over 100 hours. Then it's two grand for a service. Has there ever been conversation with uh, like the charter guys, people like, say, myself and whatnot, to maybe extend the hours or anything like that? And when, when we're ne- was never, it's never, it's actually not at the dealership. It's not at, the, at any manufacturer. It's all the same wherever you go in the world. Has there ever been anything brought up in, in your neck of the woods?
3: I think from a recreational perspective, um, the, the engine brands sort of, you know, nominate that hundred hour or once a year servicing. Just obviously the, the saltwater environment's quite harsh yep. and the recreational angler doesn't go over their boats, um, as thoroughly, I guess, at times as what a commercial applicator uh, may do. So obviously if it's going back to a dealer once a year, they're getting the opportunity to have it checked out properly to make sure that they get the full benefits of the season and the head, um, to use their boat or whether it's you know during winter when it's not so busy as well for, for most of the dealerships, they can take their time and go through it properly. Uh, in terms of commercial, cars, I know some brands will certainly look at it on a case-by-case scenario um, to give that, that opportunity to extend the hours Guys are high, high users of of, uh, of commercial product. You know they're racking the hours up quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know I think along the lines of Mercury and um, Suzuki and Yamaha, those guys they, they tend to look at them in a case by case scenario. And if there's the flexibility there to be able to extend it for someone, I think they'll they'll take it on board.
1: There you go. Really. That's the answer. There you go. See during the, the show we've the gone new
3: 600 though, as well the new 600 that Mercury just released. That's got a 200 hour maintenance schedule.
1: Yeah, that'll last Aaron about uh, seven days. <laughs> <laughs> it'll 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 make me fl- it'll make me fly. <laughs> oh, but how good's that? we have gone from the start of the show. You've been questioning. It It was just a discussion, H- and half an hour in, we've got an answer from Andrew. Now, Andrew, <laughs> let's talk yeah, about the tackle sale. Is, here, we we need some we need some decent value for money here. What do you have for us this weekend or this week? Right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, So starting on the twenty fourth of March, we're going to run a twenty five percent off all fishing tackle. Um, sale upstairs in our shop, so I think it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so 24th through to the 26th of March, um, there's yeah 25% off store wide on all our fishing tackle.
0: And this isn't just a service station stop at where you see your your King Neptune hook sitting on the side of the thing, side of the <laughs> rack or anything like that. This is a this is a tackle store, like I'm not playing with you. This I don't is mind a, that, that's uh, good from you. Well, it was, uh, I used to have them at Safeway too when I was a kid, they were good, but they do have some of the top brands at uh, at Melbourne Marine Centre. Is, is Lee going to be there? So we no, can this is the issue. Off. That was just oh, this was the selling point. We'll come if Lee's not there.
3: Well, I can make anything happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of need him here for those few
0: days. <laughs> no, no, well, that's the thing though. You, you literally go to the store. You're not just dealing with one of the boys that are mechanic. You're dealing with Lee, the Jamie, la, yeah. Jamie, the guys that actually fish and use these products. So take it away, Andrew.
1: What was it again?
3: Uh, 24th through to the 26th of March we've
1: got 25% off all fishing tackle upstairs. Bang, we're looking forward to that Andrew Stephen from Melbourne Marine and that is Red's review for Club Marine for this week.
0: I'm giving it to him he's done well, put him on the spot twice Andrew, Melbourne Marine Centre
1: That was Red's review for Club Marine Insure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Check the PDS to see if this insurance is right for you you're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick
2: Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood.
1: Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's Tip. Fuses, Patrick.
0: It's
1: yeah, a must. I like this. It's a must. Yep. You
0: can buy a... I'm going to call it a tackle box kit. Parts yep. 4 in Ocean Grove, the joint's called, where I went. So any automotive place, yep. you can go in and buy a fuse kit. And it's, this is something that you should have anyway. Oh, I think right? so. It's. I think it's a massive thing to keep in the boat. Now, bilge pumps... The design that fuses go first before things blow. So I've gone. I go through a fair few fuses. Like I get line caught in the bilge, whatever it is. Well, let's be honest. We won't say line. lots of
1: line caught in the bilge, and it gets caught. Fuses pop. Blah blah blah. There's nothing so worse. Don't than not crack having it over it. the fuse. Crack it over the fact that. Oh, hang on. No, this is meant to do this. It's a good thing that it's yeah. happened. It's a great thing if your fuse blows. It means it's done its job. Yes. Don't do what I do. And if it's taking a 15
0: amp, I don't put a 40 in to avoid it, like I do. But it's uh, it's it's definitely something to have. I think in the cabin of the boat, store it away up the side. It's a little little fuse kit. I think it cost me 30 bucks. I put one in your boat, and I put one in my boat, and it will get you. Out of trouble, say for example, chasing tuna, blood all over the deck, and your decos goes, change the fuse away you go. The mess is gone. Now, time for the
1: flying gaff. It is time for the flying gaff, and I'm handing it back to you because we were talking during the week. We love following the cricket, but the gaff this week is heading to the Australian selectors because we can't, for the life of us, both you and I, understand how it has taken the last test in this one for Usman Khawaja to get back in the Australian side when he comes back in and he, he, he should have had four centuries. He has looked unbelievable, my man. Aussie,
0: he—I've he, always liked him as an opening batter, and nothing against Harris. I've actually met Harris in person. Lovely fella. Nothing personal, isn't it? Aussie should have
1: been there from the start, though. Isn't I'm sorry, it, Harris. Isn't it funny how in, in sports sometimes these things just happen? And it's like, oh, scoring well in the in the Sheffield Shield is it going to translate to Test cricket? And it just sort of you know peters it? along, and then they come back, and you just forget how damn
0: great Do you know are. what the best part about this whole thing was? Cameron White, I had a massive argument with him about Harris shouldn't be in the size Uzi should be, and he got stuck into me a bit. Harris is like the go, you reckons? Harris yep. has now dropped Uzi, like you said, nearly 500s. <laughs> Cameron White, see you
1: later. <laughs> Thanks for joining us <laughs> in the show this morning. We hope you've enjoyed it. We will see you next week on the water for Real Adventures.